give it to you without their permission. We'll call them, said the agent on the couch, dialing the credit card company on his cell phone. Apparently, they had anticipated this. One second, I said, and walked to my computer bag, shaky-legged, to get my voice recorder. If I was going to give up my precious credit card, at least I was going to record the conversation so I could write about it on my website. What's that? demanded the stocky one. I need to tell you that I will be recording this conversation, I answered, hitting the record button. They looked at each other and with surprising swiftness rose to leave. This interview is over, said the stocky one as they stormed out the door and drove off. I watched them until they turned the corner, then breathed a huge sigh of relief. Then I calmly walked into the bathroom and puked. That night was one of the worst of my life. My wife was furious that I hadn't just handed over the credit card. We were both terrified, having no idea whether the Secret Service would be back later in the night to search the house or simply haul me off to jail. If they come back, she said, you know what they'll find. I had grown increasingly dependent on marijuana relying on it as the source of my creativity and inspiration, even as it had led me to take wilder and wilder risks. Now I had a young family, the Secret Service was on my doorstep, and I wanted to hold on to the weed even more than the credit card. I can't get rid of that, I said. You don't know what you're asking. You have to get rid of it, she insisted. Either the drugs go, or I do. Did she say that? In my head, at least, she said that. Somehow I had the clarity to see that this was a moment of truth. If I continued with my drinking and drugs, it would ultimately be the end of my marriage, my family, and, as the Secret Service agent said, my home. Inside, I was at war with myself. I wanted so desperately to be free of my addictions, yet I did not have the courage to give up these things I loved so much. I was furious with my wife, American Express, and the U.S. government. They put me in this position of hopelessness and despair. They were responsible. I was nearly in tears when I finally snapped. Fine, I shouted. If I'm throwing that away, then I'm also throwing away all the liquor. It was the kind of all-or-nothing thinking that is common with alcoholics, but in this case, it saved my life. I furiously grabbed bottles from cabinets, throwing them into boxes and loading them into the car. That's how I found myself in an alley, behind my local supermarket, throwing away a thousand dollars worth of perfectly good liquor into a dumpster. I can't explain how difficult this was. It was the Friday night of a long holiday weekend, and while everyone else was starting the partying, all I could think was, I will never have fun again. The thought was so painful that I had to redirect my mind with great effort from thinking about the long-term consequences of what I was doing. I should really be giving this away to someone, my mind would think, as I tossed in champagne from my wedding, bottles of grappa bought in Italy, and French wines I had been saving for a special occasion. 
like Thursday. The temptation to keep a few bottles to give to a friend was overwhelming, but I kept redirecting my mind, just focusing on throwing in the next bottle and the next bottle until all that was left was the marijuana. I got back in the car and drove around town for a while, trying to summon the courage. Think of all the good times we've had with this drug, my mind told me. Think of all the crazy, hilarious ideas it's given us. Think of facing life all alone without its warm, comforting haze. I finally pulled into an empty parking lot and gazed at a trash can. Maybe if I could redirect my mind to the physical movement of throwing away the drugs, I could get through this. No long-term implications, just the muscle movement of tossing the bag into the trash.